Welcome to North London is Ours, the Arsenal and Spurs podcast brought to you by Andreas and me, Aaron. Enjoy. North London is Ours is a podcast available to listen to on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Enjoy. Good evening, sir. Good evening. How are you? Um, I'm, I'm actually a bit unwell. So um, I don't know if anyone who listened to the pod last week or if you listened back to it yourself, I was a bit nasally and that still remains. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a bit under the weather, a bit depleted like Spurs squad at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, um, I'm sorry to hear it. In, yeah, apologies in advance if I go into a coughing fit or anything like that. But um, I've got a bottle of water and I've had paracetamol and I'm going to battle through. I'm going to battle through. So, are you, are you sure yeah. this isn't just um, are you genuinely unwell, or is this a tactic because you want me to go to go a little easy on you? What, what, no, what is this? Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not pussying out, mate. It's uh, <laughs> definitely not what this is. I, I'm ready. Um, I've got notes. I've got notes. A lot more notes than I usually have, to be fair. So um, I'm preparing this one. Well, I, I hope. I honestly hope you you feel better, mate. And uh, for what you. it's for what it's worth, there's a a huskiness to your voice that I think maybe our listeners might um might take to quite nicely. It's quite it's quite uh, it's quite impressive. It mate, it's an improvement, honestly. It's an improvement. i I've, I've people take me more seriously when I'm when I have this voice. But yeah. um it's it's pretty it's pretty grim in the morning, I'm not gonna lie. Well but, uh, for the yeah. purpose of this pod it sounds like um it's a Spurs Arsenal pod, but I honestly thought or oh, it sounds like I'm coming up against Ray Winston on the other end. <laughs> <laughs> Bit in play now. Now, <laughs> why he does that is beyond me. But yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. complete sidetrack. But um, yeah. I do have a big issue with the amount of um, betting ads in football mm. in the Premier League at the moment. But that's very much a side issue, and he's kind of the face of it, which I'm not overly keen on. But um, yeah, we'll save that conversation for another day, maybe. Yeah, yeah fair enough. So today's it. Arsenal fans arrogant, Tottenham fans deluded is where we're going, right? <laughs> I think there are two most. Um, I think they're, they're the two words that we both sort of landed on, right, for each other's fan bases. Um, yeah, and it isn't. It isn't to have a from, from us. It's not us having a dig, and we're not trying to say that every single. We're not generalising. We're we're not saying every single Arsenal fan is arrogant, and we're not saying that every single Spurs fan is delusional or deluded, but. Um, yeah, that's kind of what we landed on. That's what, you know, that's that's what we mutually agreed that lots of fans of the rival team would say about the other, right? I think so. I think that's that's definitely if if there was one word that I think if you surveyed a you know a large pool of Spurs fans, I think that word would come up quite quite frequently when describing, um, yeah, you guys, and and I think probably the same from your side. So. Yeah, I reckon we just dive straight in. And how do you want to play this today? Um, I, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to really just see what, when you when you say arrogant. I kind of want to start with Arsenal, if that's okay. I want to see what you bring to the table, and then I kind of present my counter arguments, and then maybe I could do the same for you. I present why I think Spurs fans are what we said, and you kind of defend your team. How does that sound? Let's do it. Let's do yeah. it. Okay, so so you want me to go first? And <laughs> yeah. Let's dive in, right? So for me, what, to be honest, there were, there were two words I was sort of toying with. Obviously, 
arrogance is the one we're focusing on, but also sort of entitled was the other one. And I think we, and I'm going to show a bit of understanding and empathy to the situation here, right? Because I think there's two things that have happened in, in recent times that have maybe contributed to this, to this perception. One, incredibly irritatingly, you had the invincible season. Yeah. Okay. Two, you, all the success you had, um, probably what from, we're talking sort of the 2000s onwards, probably the best, most successful period of your history, also happened to align when social media started to grow and you started to have millions of billions of people start to take on online social platforms. Now, from a Spurs fans perspective, this is, you know, <laughs> proven to be a very significant problem for us <laughs> because not only did you have your most successful period you also had the platform or the platforms to be able to spread this at scale and <laughs> via twitter via dms via memes via voice notes it, it just it's just been relentless yeah so from our point of view there's a sense of it comes across or it often comes across that there is an arrogance because of what we've been exposed to in terms of look what we've won you haven't won anything and it's always been about success right yeah um and i think that's a really really significant one um the other the other aspect here is and you know linked to that is there seems to be so many of you online like we all know all of us have grown up right in london north london we've all got mates who are spurs fans arsenal fans whatever but with the internet and with social media it's like you lot are like cockroaches there's nothing a spurs fan can say or tweet without getting absolutely inundated with banter piss taking mockery and it almost feels a little bit like yeah you've been you've been quite keen to use your position of recent success to sort of put the boot in and really hammer your rivals down. And to be fair, had the shoe been on the other foot, who's to say whether we would have been, would have taken similar action. But I think these are two really, really significant factors because when we talk about arrogance, I'm talking about the current, our generation and maybe slightly younger Arsenal fan because I, I can't speak on behalf of sort of the pre- you know, 1990s, really, because then we're going back too far, and I just, I just don't know what it was like, sort of in, in a prior era. You know. Yeah. Um. So that's my first port of call. Is I think your success has led to your jubilation, your promotion, your encouragement to use that to put the other half down, so to speak. When mm. we, frankly, encountered probably the most barren spell in our history. Mm. Um from well probably 1992 onwards really after we won the FA Cup in 91 the only thing we've really won is the Worthington Cup in 99 and the Carling Cup in 2008 so there's not been a lot to sh- for us to shout about this is I'm, I'm, I'm gobsmacked that you've called Arsenal fans cockroaches it's outrageous <laughs> <laughs> no, I do I, I get where you're coming from the social media angle is a really interesting one isn't it because all those voices around the world have got a platform and an and, and audience to which they can voice their, their opinions, right? And it's the classic um, sing when you're winning, right? We're all, when, when everything's going well and everything's brilliant, it's, it's very easy to 
put your opinion out there saying, that, you know, we're great, we're better than this team, we're better than that team, we've done this, we've done that. Um, but it's also, it's it, when, when the shoe's on the other foot and it's not going so well for you, you have to take it on the chin, don't you? And um, I, I think the, you were talking about success and we've spoken about what do you classify as success? And for many people, they're talking about trophies, right? Mm. And that, that for me is, I would argue that Arsenal fans, um, more, more most Arsenal fans can be arrogant because of what their amazing club or this amazing club that I love and all the Arsenal fans that I know love have achieved so many things that are just fantastic and amazing and memorable and things that you could you want to see again. Whereas on the other hand, Spurs haven't. So I I think that's where the the arrogance comes from. And I think you can be arrogant if you can back it up with amazing achievements, unprecedented and unrivaled achievements. Like you said, the invincibility invincibility in oh three, oh four. So I yeah, well, I would argue with you that they've earned the right to do it. What do so that's interesting, right? In in the sense of the Invincibles is the one that stands out because that is a sort of immortal achievement that hasn't been done before. Yeah. But in terms of the incredible achievements, like, and this is probably linked to why you had such a rivalry or have had such a rivalry with Man United, because I'd argue strongly that what Man United have achieved in that period, it, from a success standpoint, is more, if you took the Invincibles out of it, which you can't, in terms of probably sheer number of trophies, impact mm. on everything, they, they've been the most successful. Chelsea then, and then obviously you look at what Man City are doing now, they've sort of elevated the game to a whole different level, really. Yeah, and, and Liverpool, I might add, as well, with like Champions Leagues and things in between. Yeah, and, and Liverpool. And, and I think a perception amongst Spurs fans, and I'll be honest, I feel this as well. I think there's a sense when we speak to our Arsenal, friend, Arsenal fan friends, colleagues, acquaintances, there's a sense of... I don't, I don't know, almost the feeling that you can't, you seem to struggle to look beyond your own four walls in terms of you start, you can't, you find it hard to look outside of the Arsenal bubble and look at what the general picture is. It's always like, it's always, well, um, you know, that happened to that team, but what about us? Or there's this sort of defensive attitude. There's this, maybe it's linked to this, to the arrogance and the expectation to have yourselves as this mm. top, top elitist sort of team that you struggle generally to sort of look beyond that. And I think Spurs fans find that quite irritating when we can generally be a little bit more, and again, I'm generalising here in a big way, to be honest, or to be fair here, but there's a sense of more understanding of the wider picture as opposed to it just always being about us. There seems to be context in our arguments, whereas often with Arsenal fans, it seems to be always about Arsenal, always about Arsenal's struggles and their, their hardships. And actually... I don't know. I think we we as Spurs fans at least think that we present a more balanced view. But I'm mm. interested to get your take on that. Yeah, I, I just I, I don't know. I I I think we I think when you in I think it depends on your your age or your era that you're you're talking about. If you if you're someone of of, of my age, like mid thirties, and you're you've grown up with you know, a title-winning team in '98 that was revolutionised under Arsene Wenger. This beautiful style of football, going invincible, winning FA Cups, 
going quite far in the Champions League. And that's something that we've not tasted is success in Europe. And that is one bit where we don't have any arrogance. And I've never seen us lift a European trophy. Um, and I think I think it really does depend on that. Because when, you, when you're born and what you know is success and what you know is being the best, it's hard. You, you want that all the time and you that's your expectation that you always want to win and you always want to be the best team. So I, I think, you know, older fans will realise that, you know, clubs do have up and downs and there are periods of success and periods that are more barren. And Arsenal fans, when it has been barren under, you know, like latter years of Arsene Wenger, Unai Emery, the first couple of seasons, and even under Arteta, he's he's won an FA Cup, but that is that is the only trophy. It's it's not like we've won league titles and we've gone. We we're only just back into in Champions League, so it's. I, I think it, like you said about it being a defense mechanism is, you do you know you do talk want to talk about us you know we we do want to internalize it and not internalize it but we do want to think oh what what about Arsenal, so I, I think that's a fair point, but but I just think that ultimately when it comes down to it, if you. Like I said, if you if you've had that success and you have those significant achievements, you can be somewhat arrogant. You know, I think okay. you, you earn the right to do it. So um, I hear you, right? I hear you. However, Andy, Andy, we're talking about we're talking about not losing a single game in a Premier League season, <laughs> right? And then that going beyond up to forty nine games, and that probably should have been more, as I alluded to recently, with that that when we spoke about VAR and. Rooney ending the uh, the forty nine games unbeaten by diving, and you were laughing because it was Sol Campbell that was the victim there. Um, but it's not just that we, we've got Premier League titles, three of them. One of them we won at Old Trafford. The other one we won at White Hart Lane. Um, you know these are significant things. When you've done those things, you can and you've got to sing and you've got to be proud about about that. When Maybe it's the case that Spurs fans, because you haven't had the opportunity to do that, that you can't. Do you know what I mean? There's there's, there's a couple of ways I skin that. So, yeah, I, I totally take your point. You've won titles at, at your two two significant rivals, right? And mm. they're incredible achievements. And, and then obviously the Invincibles as being the standout accomplishment. But yeah. sometimes, and <laughs> take it back to the arrogant point, you, you coined the term St. Totteringham's Day, right? Now, <laughs> to be was... fair... There was a barren spell of many years where we struggled. However, from 2016 up until last season, we'd finished above you in every single one of those seasons until last season. Now, when we talk about European trophies, you've never won a European trophy, as you mentioned. We've won three. And just to list out you know, a few facts here, we were the first British club to ever win a UEFA competition. That's the Cup Winners' Cup in 1963. And we were also the inaugural winners of the UEFA Cup. Now, the problem here, from my point of view, is the fact that this happened a very, very, very long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> so there's definitely, I think the reason why we see such anger in the rivalry now is because you've got two clubs that have had incredible um, successes, historic trend-setting in many ways, but they've happened in two completely different eras. So what you've got is this polarity where if you look at like UK football fan culture through the years where, you know, it'd often be that 
families would support a team that would get passed down to the next kid, the next the next of kin, and mm. so be it. Those values were passed down. So what you've got on one hand is this this sort of Tottenham lineage going back from the 60s that has seen what we refer to as the glory years. Yeah. And yet in the last 20, I'd say 22 years, has probably or has been the most barren spell in our history. Whereas again, you've had all your success in the, in that in that period where we've had our most barren spell. So this this flipping of the coin, and it's like what you said, sort of things working in cycles and eras has just created this increased anger between the fans. And then you throw in the whole sort of Sol Campbell transfer, Tottenham losing their top academy prospect and captain in the way he did. We've all seen the meme video of him being interviewed, saying he's not going anywhere, then signed for Arsenal the next day. Mm. It just has added fuel to the fire. Yeah. And I think it's almost like... It's always the way, right? It's the fans that end up hating each other and there's this tribalism. But the reality is, it, it's almost understandable as a result of the situation and the achievements, when they happened and how they've happened, in my view. Yeah, I can't I can't argue with that. I think that's fair. I think that's very fair. But, um, but I, w- yeah. I would just like to emphasise that point that we do have three European titles to your zero. And that's one thing that... Yeah, now, hold on. We, we have... We have... European titles. Hold on, I need to I need to delve the archives, but I'm sure we won the UEFA um, Cup Winners Cup. I don't believe you have. In, I, I saw you lose on 90s. penalties. No, you, you lost on penalties. You lost on penalties to a we won, team. We've definitely won the Fairs Cup, which was a European trophy in the past. Um, went to Champions League final 2006, and and then Europa League final as well. I can't think what year that was under so, Emery. Really, 2006 is is the 2006 Champions League when Campbell put you one up and you had the man sent yes. up to Barcelona. Yeah. So yeah. that day I was genuinely shook because I knew if you, this is the one thing that in modern history we can get ahead of you, and yeah. when you went one nil up and that guy put you one nil up, I thought this this cannot happen. This is. This is the ultimate, you know, this would kill me off here. This is me finished. <laughs> um, and then obviously on the reverse, we had the opportunity a few years ago to achieve something incredible. And obviously Liverpool sort of, um, yeah, usurped us. But that was something that I just thought was going to be really significant. So it does hurt now seeing you guys in the Champions League with that opportunity again. And we haven't got the chance to sort of get that. But yeah, um, for, what, for what it's worth, I'll, I'll sort of, put my fork in the ground and say I don't think you're going to win the Champions League this season or at least I seriously hope not I I don't think any club is going to have enough players by the time the Champions League comes around (laughs) because of injuries mate have you seen Real Madrid's um, uh, injury list that's crazy it's insane honestly it's just yeah something's going on here and it's it might be that that bigger topic we were talking about with it um, uh, players being overworked etc but um yeah, we 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 won the Cup Winners Cup in uh, ninety three ninety four. That was the one. I just had to have a look at it, and we definitely and the the Fairs Cup as well in the seventies uh, sixty nine seventy. Had to go back to the archives there. I'm not going to lie. Is that like um, the Intertoto Cup? Mate, I couldn't actually tell you. <laughs> this, this is even you know bought years before I was born. Um, nothing but, wrong with that. That's what I'm. That's what I'm basing my whole argument off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we have won. We have won something in Europe. Uh, okay, but, fair enough. I'm yeah. just but we have it. massively yeah. under underachieved. Not necessarily underperformed, but underachieved in Europe. Um, yeah. Um, so, just moving on to the other 
side of the, the coin where we were saying about Spurs fans delusional. I, I'm kind of just going to, you know, get into that and see if you what you kind of come back with, really. Um, <laughs> so we, we spoke about that word success, right? And it's a it's a debatable one because people just look at trophies, don't they? And that is the the barometer of success, isn't it? That's a, if you've achieved something, you 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 hold that trophy. But you can still be successful. I would argue that you can still be successful and achieve things and not necessarily have trophies. So, for example, you can have a team that has a remarkable season in the championship, for example, and gets promoted, but they don't win the league, but they get promoted and they play the best football and, and so on. That's still a hell of a, an achievement. They go up through the playoffs, that kind of thing. That is success, but it do, doesn't necessarily have a, a title or a trophy. So I, I would argue that. But when when you look at Spurs, we look. You, you mentioned the League Cup earlier. It's 2008. That was 15 years ago. And then the previous one was 1999 that you mentioned under George Graham. Little Arsenal Tottenham link there. <laughs> yeah. Um, you've never won the Premier League. We've won it three times. We're once without losing, and at your place, and at Old Trafford, like our rivals. Which is, could you imagine just being in those situations? Arsenal can win the league at our ground. You're, you're Gary Neville and United you're going to be absolutely doing everything within your power to make sure that doesn't happen. So that is a huge challenge and an achievement to overcome that. The same with Spurs um, when we won it at White Hart Lane. Then going a bit further back, your last title was in 1961, Andy. You and I were nowhere near born. You know, this is is the difference. I was also looking at FA Cups. I didn't realise, you know, I always had this impression that Spurs were a cup team. That was something that was banded about as I was growing up. Spurs are a cup team. And it was 1991, your last FA Cup win. Beating Arsenal in the it's, semi-finals, Gaza free kick. Gaza, yeah, and I love Gaza. I adore Gaza, one of my favourite players behind Ronaldinho, one of my favourite players of all time. Loved him for England. Mm. Um, I was gutted when I found out that he played for Spurs. Like I really was, um, but yeah, I, I adored him. I thought he was a great player. Um, and that goal, I think that goal is a bit overrated. That free kick because Seaman parries that into the top corner makes it look better than it is. Oh, I did, we're gonna disagree. Oh. That is iconic. It's funny you mentioned the FA Cup though, because and this this highlights how poor we've been in terms of success in the last twenty years. Growing up. And I'm talking up to the age of what, like 12, 13 even. Mm. Um, we held the record for the most FA Cups with eight. And that was something I always cling to. I thought, you know, no one's won more mm. FA Cups than us. But now, I don't know what the tally is, but we have shot down that list. I think. Yeah, we're, we're, the, we're the record holders for that 14. Mikel oh. Arteta, that was our 14th under him in the uh, the, the COVID lockdown Um I can't think who we beat in the final. It might have been Man City in the final or Chelsea. I think you beat them both. I can't remember. In yeah, yeah. Order. We had, and it was ridiculous because we played the the run to the FA Cup final. We it was so tough. It was like if ever there was a team that deserved to win the FA Cup based on who they've beaten. You know who was it? Wasn't it United a few seasons ago that played like Accrington Stanley, <laughs> and then like Burnley, like a, all these relegated teams, they made it all the way to the FA Cup final or something. And, or League Cup final. I can't remember. It might have been Mourinho. 
the league cup title that he won with them. But yeah, that that's and that that's the other thing. It's about context, isn't it? Sometimes you can the, the odds can go in your kind of favour, can't they? Like draws and things like that. Um, but yeah, so that that's twenty two years ago since your last FA Cup win, and you know sixty two years. We're talking about half a century that Spurs last won a league. Like that is a hell of a long time. So when when I start when I start hearing Spurs fans, you know, friends of mine, family members of mine, because I've got brother in laws and uh, yeah, brother in laws and father in laws that are all Spurs fans, and they they're like North London is white. I'm like, how how do you get to that based on what is that based on? Do you know what I mean? I find that really difficult to comprehend. Yeah, really well, difficult. It's, it's based it's based on simple geography because <laughs> you're from South London and you moved to North London, right? So like, where the OG, where are the OGs now? The problem we're going way back now. <laughs> well, this is the thing, right? And in fact, I was doing some research because I've always heard the story. <coughs> I always I wanted to sort of understand it in a mm. bit more depth in terms of where did this rivalry stem from? Yeah. And again, it, to give this proper context, we've got to go. Back. And I'm talking far back to 1919, yeah. okay? And in 1919, there was a decision or a recommendation by the clubs that the top division, so the old first division, or maybe it was called something else, that they would expand the size of the league from 20 teams to 22 teams. Now, at the time, Arsenal were in the second division, and you'd finish sixth in that division. So there was, an, there was, a, there was two teams additional were going to come up. And an additional two teams were going to come down. Now, as it as it turned out, Arsenal, as a result of having a new chairman or a new uh, owner called Sir Henry Norris, who was yes. also a Conservative MP with a yes. lot of contacts within a lot of dough, a lot of, dough, a lot <laughs> of contacts, used his network, and this is smart, right? He used his network to, to essentially get Arsenal promotion into the top division he saw the opportunity and he got you up but what ended up happening was this happened at Spurs' expense so Spurs ended up getting relegated by default as a result of um, freeing up this space for Arsenal to come up and this is where everything started in terms of the local rivalry Mm. you then throw into the mix what we said about Arsenal moving to North London from South London then in more recent times you you throw up the, the whole Sol Campbell transfer fiasco it's pretty easy to see why there's so much deep-rooted anger and tribalism when it comes to these two teams. Yeah. Um, and look, 1919, we're talking, what, just after the First World War? Like, you know, I, I don't really know what went on in 1919. I can mm. imagine that would have been a very significant thing in terms of creating a huge amount of friction between the two clubs back then. Yeah, absolutely. I think I read an article about that a couple of years ago and got a much better understanding. So I'd like to go back to that article. Maybe I'll, uh, I could add that to our episode podcast, um, the description or something or link it somewhere. That'd be quite good for listeners to, to read about and understand. But um, yeah, yeah. I think it's what you've explained is pretty much accurate. I don't think there's, there's any lies being told there. And you know, that, that is, it's history, isn't it? It's, it is what it is. And, um, this definitely fuels maybe not so much these days, but um, yeah, that that was something that was kind of chucked at me as an Arsenal fan, and occasionally still is by the older Spurs fan. My father <laughs> does that quite a lot. 
But let's let's take it yeah. more recent, right? Let's take it more recent, okay? Now, let's talk. You mentioned um, success being defined by either titles, but then mm. also overperforming in the league, for example. Now, for us on yeah. Pochettino in the past, right? We came, you'll sing, you came third in a two horse race. What we would say is we went unbeaten for the last year at, White, at the old White Hot Lane. We drew, drew two games, won all the rest. At no point, almost no point in that season were we actually ever top. We were never top where we could then quote, bottle or choke. And we came third. I think what ended up happening basically was once we knew the league was out the window, the guys just caved in, right? And then on the last day, we obviously got smashed, smashed at, um, I think it was Newcastle. And I think, was it you guys that came second? I think maybe it was. I, I can't I remember. So, yeah. Or someone else. Whereas we have had, we've been hammered by Arsenal fans for bottling it. But last season, you were runaway leaders of the Premier League loads of points ahead I can't remember what it was but I would argue you've got off incredibly lightly for what has to be one of the greatest chokes in Premier League history and no one talks about it like that wow Uh, I I think what I would argue here is narrative right we were missing one of the best centre-backs in the world William Saliba Gabriel Jesus who we're still missing now he's never had a full season for us I don't think um Tommy Asu, another outstanding player uh, who we missed. We had a lot of injuries. Uh, and, yeah, we did. Um, it was a joke. Come on. Come on. No, I would never accept that, mate. We were massively overachieving. We didn't. I wouldn't say we choked. I would say we massively overperformed and we were unable and didn't have the squad depth and we didn't have the availability um, to get over the line, I can't. I can't ever say that they choked it. I can't. They 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 let themselves down, and they could have performed better. Draws at West Ham, Southampton, for example. Those are the games for me where they uh, they kind of messed up. But I don't like the the choke thing. is is hard to take, man. I can't <laughs> take. That. Do you know what it was from a, from a Spurs fan's point of view? You, but we've obviously got the the feeling of the banter we've had from. From yeah, you know, the Pochettino years, but then I definitely recall you were a lot of points ahead, and you had a lot of very yeah, winnable yeah. games. And I remember I think it was eight eight points at its biggest, I think. Yeah, but yeah. Th- but this is the point, right? Regardless of whether we call it choking or whatever, because the Arsenal, um, I suppose, the fan base is larger, mm. and you know that's understandable given the success you've had in recent years. Mm. You, you hear less about your, I suppose, shortcomings than you would. When you know if Spurs have a, a similar shortcoming, you hear more about it because there's more chatter, there's more noise around it, there's more there's more influential voices poking fun. Mm. Um, and I even remember to the point when we, um, you know, the infamous sort of battle of the bridge when we were going for the title and we finished two two at Chelsea and Hazard yeah. scored that amazing goal. I remember the week before. Um, Sky on their Monday Night Football had Seth Fabregas, who was a Chelsea player at the time, on the panel. Mm. And Chelsea had been terrible all season and stoked the fire and was like literally saying with his Arsenal roots as well, how desperate Chelsea were just to stop us winning the league. And it created such a media frenzy and an anger. And I'm convinced to this day that the reason that that game was so feisty and so aggressive was because of how wound up the players went into that from from that and the media in that week. Yeah. Um, This is the thing, though. There's always context, isn't there? You know, like you said earlier about Arsenal choking 
at the end of last season. If you look, you know, there's always, you can talk about, like I did, injuries and the narrative, like delving and being a bit more nuanced about it. When you look into it, there is, there is a lot more to it, right? There's a lot more to it, 100%. There always is. And and I think the one thing I'll say on the two clubs is no matter the tribalism, no matter the dislike, no matter the hatred in many cases, the two clubs need each other. That rivalry is is probably, for me, is one of the biggest in world football, is a huge marketing driver for the league. Um, So there's always going to be sort of an underlying, I suppose respect if if you really sort of looked at it objectively the two clubs do have you know if, if Arsenal weren't in the Premier League and you didn't have a North London derby every mm. year it, it's the league that loses out it's the fans that lose out because it's such yeah. an incredible match and and the other thing is like you you have two clubs that in I would argue latter Arsene Wenger years and even at the Unai Emery kind of era they were where you had Pochettino that was uh, that was where I uh, it kind of peaked for me where it was Spurs fans that North London is white we're the the bigger better team at the moment and that was probably where the teams in terms of their ability overall and their performance they were very very the the closest they've ever been mm. whereas I would argue before that our you know un, the the successful years of Arsene Wenger there was. I, I was never really concerned about Spurs. It was it, the rivalry was other clubs. It was Chelsea. It was United, um, and and like a, and City, I suppose as well as they kind of emerged. Whereas Spurs were just were just not at that level. Um, whereas, you know, more recently that 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 gap has been a lot closer because there was always that mind. That, do you remember that mind the gap banter? It would be like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was another thing, wasn't it? Um, but you're yeah. right, though. This and and on whereas what, now is interesting, isn't it? I don't know. Now I feel like we're definitely better than Spurs. You know, in terms of overall, you know, based on last season, this season. But then this season is kind of making me think. Oh, I don't know. Maybe they're they're catching up a bit, or on the path to catching up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, first of all, just to go back to your point, there was a time where the golf in the, the quality of the two teams was so weighted in your favour and was so large. You you mentioned it on a previous podcast. You saw, like as you mentioned there, Man United and Chelsea as your big rivals. And I, and I understand it because for us, it was we knew we'd be rubbish all season and we couldn't catch you, but it was all about the fixture with you guys mm. um, and just putting everything into that because the golf was so huge. I mean, even, you know... We were st- under Harry Redknapp when things started to turn a little bit, and we won. We got our first win at the Emirates. Mm. We were still really miles off you because we won three two. But I mean, the first I, I don't know forty five fifty minutes was an absolute annihilation. You, you completely murdered us, and it's almost representative of like the previous ten fifteen years before that, where every time we play you, I'd be nervous. I'd almost go in, would be so hyped up just to play you. But I knew deep down, I'd take a draw all day. And that, <laughs> That was the mindset. And then yeah. I think in the last 10 years, obviously with us, you know, we finished above you. I think it was six years in a, in a row. Um, it's been a lot more even or a lot more, I'd almost weighted in our favour. But the problem is we've never been able to convert into a trophy. Yeah. And that coupled with 
I don't know, Spurs have this sort of little brother image in the media. And I think yeah, because yeah. it's so dominated by Man United influence and players, ex-players like Roy Keane and Gary Neville, who sort of grew up in the time of, of um, you know, this mindset around Spurs or throw it away, Spursy, it's kind mm. of stuck. And we're just, we do seem to just be quite an easy target for rival club to just tread yeah. on. And, and that's what you're working now to try and get away from, isn't it? Because yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think, from my perspective as an Arsenal fan, I don't think um, I've ever known Spurs to be such a popular team with the the media. Mm. Like right now, I feel like this is this is like the peak time. There's so much love and admiration for what the, the football and the manager and the club and where it's going and things like that. Like I don't remember that under under Arteta. I always feel like Arteta's just been, he's always been um, scrutinised for like his conduct on the side, um, you know, the way we play, red cards, people like Granite Xhaka just constantly mm. being the targeted through, you know, like the media for letting the team down and all these kind of things. And yeah, I, I, I never, maybe I'm just being defensive, like we mentioned earlier, about Arsenal, but I always, I never felt like there was this period of love and admiration for Mikel Arteta. It was always, ah, oh, he's he's just trying to be the new Pep, and there was not not much love for him. Whereas Postacoglu is just getting, uh, he's just getting <laughs> the love. He's just feeling the love, right? Yeah, it's like what you said around context with everything. I think there's a general likability gulf between mm. the two managers, and some of it is linked to just nationality and culture because I know we've mentioned before like the Aussie sort of banter yeah. you know rubs off well and in this country Arteta again coming from being Pep's number two he was always going to have in those early days sort of oh he's the guy that's going to lay out the cones and he's mm. obviously more fiery on the touchline and is is a, is not as perhaps as eloquent in sort of interviews but it just it does go to show how much of a role the media play in all of this because yeah, yeah. if you can get them on your side they can, you know, it's subtle things, isn't it? It's like how a headline might be worded if they're on side mm. versus, you know, if they're not. Or yeah, yeah. how much you see on, like, Sky Sports, YouTube channel, sort of, you know, negative moments from a particular... Like, it all yeah. adds up in people's minds. Yeah, yeah. They, they have a, a, a real power, don't they? And a real influence. And uh, sometimes it goes, not unnoticed, but it, it, its impact goes unnoticed, I think. And people... They're kind of not brainwashed, but their they their their thoughts are kind of influenced significantly without realizing it, and they start to agree with, oh, this Boston Coglu really is a great manager, and 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 you know, you know where, you know if you if you didn't have that influence, you might be the jury might be out on him a bit more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I totally but get that. Just just one one other thing I was going to mention. I I, I, I screenshotted a tweet. I, earlier in October and uh, I found it on my phone the other day and I thought I need to bring this up on the pod and this kind of makes my point about the that delusional thing and and this (laughs) obviously isn't I'm not trying to just like dig out Spurs fans and stuff but this is the kind of stuff that you see on social media a lot and this I I think it says reply sent so I'd obviously replied to this uh, this um this tweet this is a at ash underscore 
Coy, so come on, you Spurs. It's got a, pi- a picture. He's responded to the Spurs web on Twitter or X, and it's got a photo of Ange with his manager of the month. What well, I don't know which one. He's got so many now. Um, and it says, the Spurs tweet is quite good. It's like, mate, and you can just hear the Aussie accent. And then this guy has responded saying, no four-year process, no 600 million transfers, <laughs> no support from the media or pundits, which ironically has really changed now because there's a lot of support and love for him. Um, no Harry Kane, no 170 million spent on midfield, 100% talent and hard work. And like, I look now and historically after 12 games, Spurs, Tottenham Hotspur have had their greatest ever start to a Premier League season after 12 games and they're behind Arsenal. First of all, <laughs> at Ash underscore Coys, you're letting yeah. the team down here, mate. What you're doing, get, you know, going too soon. You should, you should, you should have learnt by now as a Spurs fan. If you go too soon, it's going to come back and bite you. That's a very, very foolish tweet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm not even sure why he's. Tra- it sounds like an Eminem set of lyrics, man. He's like 100% <laughs> grit, or I don't know who sings that, but someone. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, he's gone early there, and I think the thing is, we're a passionate bunch, right? And we've been starved of success. That like the first sign of it, we want to get excited, we want to dream about it, and some mm. people, unfortunately, lack a bit of intellect and think getting a tweet out early is the way to do it and to provoke people or whatever. But. Mm. Um, yeah, I can't concur with that. I mean, we always, yeah. any rational Spurs fan knew, no matter how good the start was, that, um, yeah, it was at some point the bubble was going to burst a little bit. Um, but, yeah, no, I, on that one, yeah. I don't even think that's delusion, though, to your point. You're not. I don't think it's delusion. I think it's just like, what, naive. Like over, overambitious? Or... I think it's just naivety, mate, to be honest. Like, it's getting just carried naive. away. Yeah, he's getting carried away. And, this is the thing, right? Because, and Postacoglu has said this, he, he doesn't want to set limitations as to what can be achieved. And I think in times like this, people look to their football clubs for hope, for aspiration. It gives them joy in, in tough times, whatever. Mm. And the problem for me with all this social media stuff is people are too quick to just shoot other people down. And before you know it, you get into these you get into this sort of banter and arguments and I just think it's unnecessary. I think a fan should be able to feel how he feels, but the problem is I, I can't really get in the mindset of why someone would want to tweet that. Mm. Um, for me, it's just, it's just a bit of naivety from the lad. So at Ash Coys, underscore Coys, if you're listening, <laughs> take a deep breath and just think before you hit that publish button. If you're <laughs> yeah, this is it. This is it, mate. Um, so yeah, I, I think that I mean, bottom line is there's it is it's a proper rivalry. This is not for the faint-hearted. If you've ever been to a North London derby, it is like it's not something I'd feel comfortable taking my son to. Let's put it that way. It's it's yeah. angry, it's aggressive, it's it's passion fueled. There's a there's a lot there, but the simple reality is the only way things change, in my opinion, is as and when Spurs start to win trophies. And even then, who's to say that's not going to stoke the rivalry up even more because then suddenly mm. you're going to have a team um, who has had success. You know, how are you going to feel about us then getting that? And yeah, I, I think it's true. I think I'm right in saying we've never, ever played in a cup final. I don't not in my lifetime. No, I don't think there's not ever been a Spurs-Arsenal um, final. And 
I've always wondered, like in the modern day, if we were ever to play in a, you know, in a in a proper cup final with so much on the line, that for me, that I think that that would be one <laughs> heck of a spectacle. Yeah, I do. I do. we said it earlier this year, didn't we? About um, the that this is a proper proper rivalry. That match, even the the two two at the Emirates earlier this season. Like Liverpool, Everton, yeah, very good rivalry, but the teams are so far apart and have been for a long time now. It takes a bit away from it, doesn't it? And this, this, you know, you look at West London derbies, Fulham, Chelsea, it's just not the same. And this is proper, isn't it? Like this is, like you said, it's nineteen nineteen. It's what? What did you say the chap's name was? Henry Norman uh, Henry Norris. Sorry, so Henry yeah. Norris. Yeah, doing what he did, and and it's all of that, and it's years and years, and it's Sol Campbell, and it's George Graham, and it's winning at White Hart Lane, and it's the five twos, and all that kind of stuff rolled in, and it just means means so so much, doesn't it? Um, yeah, and that's why we love it, and that's why we sit here talking about it each week, right? That's why we started a podcast on it. This is it. It's um no, it's great, and to be honest, I wouldn't have it any other way. I. I I've always, I've just grown up knowing Arsenal, no matter what, Arsenal are our number one rivals. And for me, it will always be that way. Mm. Um, yes, it's it's a bit spicy at times. And yes, I'd love to see in the modern era things be a lot more equally weighted in terms of success and output. And to I almost feel like we're on a similar, I suppose, pedestal to be able to have really sort of fought our corner and defend ourselves. And it's the, the, the now the variable is, You've won, you've won trophies, we haven't. Until that changes, I think we're going to have to earn our way out of the perception we've got around that we're just easy to squash by other teams. Yeah, and and I think it's going to take something big um, mm. or something surprising that maybe changes the game. But um, let's see how it goes. This is a long old yeah. season. There's a lot that can happen, and both both clubs' fortunes look not too not too shabby at the moment. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, just to wrap up then, we we agree that North London is whether well well we 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 think that well if our listeners think some of them will think that North London is white, some will think that North London is red, but it's always going to be ours, isn't it? I think that's a nice way to end. And what I would just just add to that as well is we are really interested to know how the listeners see this. So feel free to tag us, message us post let us know we want to get your opinions on the rivalry and also your own experiences on how you've handled the rivalry with your friends and in your circles because uh mm. this is a rival that isn't going anywhere so um yeah keep coming in yeah it'd be great to hear okay right on to the next one on to the next who's your so who's your next fixture uh brentford 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 yeah. away yeah on the Saturday, I believe, yeah. and we're at home to yeah. Villa. Yeah. I've got a man, um, a friend of mine. There, I've got a man. Uh, what's it? What do they call it? Um, like a, um, he's he's going, but he's in the away end. He's an Arsenal fan, but he's um, he's in the way end. What, what is it? Like a spy, a man in the trenches. Or, <laughs> I think that's what I was going for. So yeah, he's going to that game. Um, yeah, look, he's he's looking forward to that. So I might that'll be an interesting one. And I think Aaron Ramsdale has to play in that one. I don't think David Ooh. Rye can play, so that's an interesting little narrative there. So I'm sure we'll speak about. And yeah. uh, Spurs, who do you go to? We're home to Villa on the Sunday, and um, without giving too much away, it's going to be the first time I predict the Spurs defeat this season. Ooh, yeah, 
And um, you're pretty good at predicting. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping I've got this one wrong, but um, yeah, yeah uh, I don't know. I just think with with the injuries and the suspensions and and whatnot, I, I can see Villa hurting us. But um, okay. we'll see. It's also it's always fascinating, isn't it? Because after an international break, you just the games are probably the most unpredictable they could be post international break. I think. Yeah, yeah, and and injuries again. I was just reading earlier about Jared Bowen being injured. Oh, is he? Yeah, and Kieran Trippi have withdrawn from the England squad. Um, so yeah, the, these breaks—that's that's all I ever get worried about. Is are we going to get Saka back? Are we going to get Declan Rice back on injured and and so on? It's it's annoying, but yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, we shall see, and we'll we'll roll on to the next one. Thanks everyone for listening. It's been a yeah. pleasure, and um, we'll see you next week. Okay, goodbye.